evening we're turning back to chapter 1. I did consider going on to chapter 2 this evening, but I felt that we could spend a little more time in the prayer of Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah chapter 1 and the verse 5, and we're going to read again through to the end of the chapter. And we're, we're considering the title under that we're speaking. Our study is under the title this evening of On Your Knees. On Your Knees. And of course, Nehemiah in this passage, he's found on his knees. Nehemiah, please, in the chapter 1 and the verse 5. And this is the word of the Lord. And Nehemiah is praying and he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sin of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thy commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thy commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn on to me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, Yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants, and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. We, of course, have just moved into a new chapter in the history of Grange Baptist, and we know that the Lord has blessed us Already in the past number of weeks as we've met together, the Lord has met with us and we have known his presence with us. But you know, and I'm sure as you look further back through the history of Grange Baptist, I've received the little blue book that was printed in 2011 and there's wonderful things. In fact, I've received it three times. So don't give me another one. <laughs> but it's great to have it and it's got a great history of Grange and how the Lord has blessed Grange Baptist over many, many years. And you know, the, as you think about it, the Lord has saved many souls. There's some of you who are sitting here. And maybe through the ministry here at Grange Baptist, through faithful servants of God who have stood in the pulpits, you've seen the Lord save you and also many others due to the ministry here in the gospel witness from this church. There's been difficult times too. There's been times maybe when the numbers were lower. And maybe you thought that the church doors may have shut. But the Lord has been faithful and the Lord has kept the doors open here at Grange Baptist Church. 211 years now, the Lord has been faithful to this little assembly since it was planted. But God has now given to you 
and I the responsibility of continuing the work and growing the work here at Grange Baptist. We want to do that work strategically, of course. We want to, but we also want to build up God, the work in God's way rather than our own way. And because, you see, if we were to do it our way, ultimately we will falter and we'll fail. Therefore, we must go forward on our knees. You'll remember last week we quoted that little quote from Hudson Taylor where he spoke about the only way to go forward is to go forward on our knees. And that's why we're entitling our study this evening on your knees. Last week, as we began our studies in the Old Testament book, we met Nehemiah. And he was serving as the king's cupbearer, King Ataxerxes, who was in Persia. And word came from Hanani that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And this caused Nehemiah great distress. And now, of course, we know that Nehemiah, he didn't simply fast and pray and cry over a wall that had been broken down. But rather what the breaking down of the wall in Jerusalem represented Jerusalem was supposed to be the place where God's presence and God's glory dwelt in the temple. But there it was, it was lying in the dust. And God's glory among the nations was at stake due to these broken down walls. And Nehemiah, he realized the significance of this. And therefore he went to prayer. He fasted, he prayed, he was extremely burdened by the news that he had heard. And last week, we discovered that the secret to Nehemiah's success as a leader was due to his, his dependence upon the Lord. He was a faithful leader. What made him a faithful leader? He was found on his knees. He cared enough to be burdened for the Lord's work. He cared enough to be burdened and that's what was so important. We find him in prayer and we find him burdened enough to move into action. That's what we thought about last week. And as I said a few moments ago, I did consider moving on to chapter 2 this week because we had dealt with chapter 1, but I felt that we hadn't spent enough time considering Nehemiah's opening prayer last Wednesday evening. And we are at the prayer meeting after all. So this evening what I want to do is take time to go into a little bit of depth and have a look at what Nehemiah prays and how he structures his prayer. You know, it's so important that when we pray, that it's not just random, that just whatever comes to our mind, we at that particular time that we pray that. But rather our prayers should be purposeful and it should be well structured. And maybe in your younger days, you might have heard the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S for prayer. And I think it's quite helpful. A for adoration, C for confession. T for thanksgiving and S for supplication. I know when I was growing up in church, they had produced very helpful little booklets that were updated each week at the week of prayer with specific topics to pray for each day. And of course, uh, in the little book, we would have been given a little, in the church, we would have been given a little folder. And on a Monday, we might have prayed for those who were unwell in the church. And on a Tuesday, we would have prayed for our unsaved loved ones. And on a Wednesday, we would have prayed for the children's work in the church. And they encouraged us to do this throughout the year. And I thought that was great structure to my prayer life. And also, you could add to those, of course, for example, uh, you could pray for your own family every Tuesday. 
And maybe that's when you would pray for the Lord to bless them and keep them in good health and things like that. And that's making supplication for them. And what we'll discover this evening is we can see the elements of this acronym, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication in Nehemiah's prayer. In fact, it comes in that order, would you believe? There's adoration first, then there's confession, then there's thanksgiving, and then there's supplication. We mentioned last week that this is the first of 12 prayers that we find recorded in the book of Nehemiah. It opens in prayer, the book of Nehemiah, and it closes in prayer. The Spirit of God through this book makes it absolutely abundantly clear that Nehemiah was a man of faith who wholly depended on the Lord to accomplish the work that he was given to do. Now you might think to yourself, Peter, you're going on and on about how he was a man of prayer. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Because if we're going to achieve anything for the Lord here at Grange Baptist, we need to be an assembly finding our knees. We need to be an assembly who are wholly dependent on the Lord for absolutely every moment that we meet in this place. If you want your life to be a successful life and living for the Lord, you need to be finding your knees. You know, Paul Washer, he spoke when he was preaching about how he can't even take the five steps to the shower without first bowing, and bowing by his bed on his knees and asking the Lord help for the day ahead. He says every child of God should slip out of their bed straight onto their knees. I think that's telling. I wonder, do I do that every day? I wonder, do each of us do that every day? Maybe you're here tonight and there's a work that God has called you to do, maybe in this assembly. Maybe it's something that no one around you knows all about. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you do some work with the boys and girls in the church. Maybe even the Lord has called you to be a prayer warrior and to be praying for the folks, for missionaries, for different folk around the world. God calls each of us and gives us different gifts. But whatever, maybe you're someone and you're involved in the youth, you're involved in the women's fellowship, whatever it may be, I wonder whatever work you're found doing, do you drown it in prayer? I wonder are you find often before the throne of God pleading for his help and blessing upon the gospel efforts here at Grange and further beyond. I wonder how often we're found at the throne pleading that the Lord will keep our walk close with him. I'm not talking about public prayer here. I'm talking about private prayer. If, we're simply, if we simply pray these things in public, if we come to the prayer meeting and we pray these prayers, but we're not praying them at home in private, the Lord Jesus tells us we are just praying like the Pharisees did. And he called them hypocrites. You know, there are many great prayers in the Bible. And God willing, actually, this Lord's Day, we'll be looking at another prayer. As we begin our studies in Philippians, we find Paul's prayer at the beginning of the book of Philippi. But if you want to learn how to pray, let me encourage you to find some of the great prayers in the Bible and study them. But not only that, I'm glad that you're here tonight. Because let me tell you, some, some of the most spiritual men and women who I listened to pray in prayer meetings when I was just a wee boy, just a teenager, that's where I learned to pray in the prayer meeting. 
As I listen to some of them call out to God and plead for people's souls. And I'm so glad you're here. Because it's in this place where the Lord teaches us to pray. You know, let me say it's so important to get our teens out to the midweek meeting. So important to get our teenagers out to the prayer meetings before the Sunday meetings. Because that's where they'll learn how to pray. That's when they'll listen to godly men and women. Praying for the Lord's blessing upon the meetings and gatherings in this church. Of course, you know, there's a great revival in prayer needed in these days. The Scottish novelist George MacDonald said this. And whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed miserably. Nehemiah succeeded because he depended on God. Let's have a look at this prayer tonight. The first thing I want you to see here is adoration. His adoration of the Lord. Look at verse 4. It says, And it came to pass when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So we read that verse last week. He's got the news. He's burdened. And then he goes on. He prays verse 5 and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, The great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Now Nehemiah, he could have rushed into the presence of the Lord and he could have said, look at this problem. You need to sort it, Lord. I'm coming to you with this problem. I need to go before the king and you need to be with me. But no, that's not where Nehemiah started. He first approached the Lord carefully. Now look at what he says. He says, O Lord God of heaven, to what kind of God do we lift our prayers to? When we meet tonight, what kind of God do we lift our prayers to? Well, Nehemiah tells us he's the Lord God of heaven. He's the God who reigns from heaven yet is ever present with us, Nehemiah comes before the Lord and he adores the Lord's greatness. He approaches the Lord realizing that he approaches a holy God and he recognizes the greatness of our mighty God and he realizes that God has been so faithful in the past and he comes before God and he says to the Lord, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, You know that word terrible, it can be translated better as the word awesome. Of course, used in its truest sense. And it's the fact that Nehemiah comes before the Lord and as he considers the Lord and as he bows before the Lord, he, he is in awe. He's in awe at the greatness of God. And he says the great and the awesome God, the terrible God. We pray to a great and awesome God tonight as we come who eternally is worthy of our praise and worship. And that's the way we ought to approach him, with praise and worship, not with our shopping list of requests. And you know, as I say that tonight, I say that feeling like quite a hypocrite, because so often I come to the Lord and I come to him with my shopping list. And I skip the adoration. He is a God who is worthy of your adoration. And here is Nehemiah. And he is and his people are experiencing great affliction. And he's about to undertake a great work. 
And maybe tonight you feel that in your life circumstances that you're under great affliction. And maybe at times the work that you do for the Lord, it might feel like it burdens you and it feels too much for you. And maybe sometimes when it all seems to be falling down around you, you feel like taking the towel and just throwing it in. Well, how do we experience God's power and help in the things that we're doing? Well, let me tell you, get on your knees because you need great power. And you need great goodness and you need great mercy and you need it from a great God. Look at what else Nehemiah acknowledges. He recognizes God as the covenant-keeping God. Look at what he says. He says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible, awesome God that keepeth covenant. And mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. You see, Nehemiah, he recognizes that God is the covenant-keeping God who doesn't break his promises. You know, I want you to see in his adoration that we can see that he had a God-centered perspective. He had a God-centered perspective. Alistair Begg has said, we'll never know what it is to pray as long as my world begins with me. Did you get that? We'll never know what it is to pray as long as my world begins with me. Nehemiah's world began with the Lord. And in his adoration, we see a God-centered perspective. In other words, Nehemiah, he wasn't the center of his own world. God was first and foremost. You know, so often I hear people say, you know, in our list of priorities in life, that God needs to be at the top. God needs to be number one. I disagree with that completely. Because if God is number one, you're putting him on a list. Let me tell you, God should be central in your life. And if God is central in your life, that will affect everything else on your list. You see, when you put God number one, you can slide down the rankings. But when you put God central, you'll be found in every task that your hand finds to do and in your priorities, and in your family. And here's Nehemiah, and the task he had to do, the walls of Jerusalem wasn't number one, it was his adoration of the Lord, but God was central, and he had God in the center of his perspective and everything, and that meant as he built the walls, he wanted to honor God. You know, Nehemiah realized on his knees that he needed the Lord for everything. In John, in John 15, verse 5, we hear the Lord Jesus saying, For without me, ye can do nothing. If you want to build a work, if you want to get anywhere in the thing that the Lord has called you to do, you need a God-centered perspective. But not only do you need a God-centered perspective, you see, Nehemiah also had a God-centered trust. He had a God-centered trust. You see, who we trust will show in our prayer life. You know, if I were to spend some time with you, or if you were to spend some time with me, and you were able to shadow me all the time, I wouldn't like that. And you wouldn't like that. But if we were able to shadow each other all the time, very quickly we would come to see where our priorities lie. Very quickly we would see, you would see of me, and I would see of you the regularity and the consistency of your prayer life. And it would very quickly show in whom you trust. We need a God-centered perspective in all our priorities. And we need a God-centered trust that causes us to fall on our knees for absolutely everything. You know, a few years ago, um, 
when I say a few years ago, it seems to be about 10 years now, I was down in Cork with the CEF worker down there. He's called Stan Beamish. And Stan is a wonderful man of prayer. Stan, I remember, really any time he came to prayer, we would be maybe starting a camp meeting. And we, the, the leaders would just be there waiting before the campers came in. He'd be praying. He would be standing doing the dishes and he would be praying out loud with the leaders around him as he did the dishes. You would see him walking around the camp centre and he was just talking to the Lord all the time. And so often I heard him say these words. And I loved this. He said, Lord, it's me again. And he was constantly, constantly in prayer. Constantly asking for the Lord's blessing. I remember he taught our wee team a very important lesson one day. CEF do something called SEA uh, Teams, Christian Youth in Action. And we were down on a team, and this was in a different week, and it was raining one morning, and a SEA team, little teams go out, and there's, they take the wee blue tarpaulin mat out, and they set it out for the children. And the children come onto the mats, and it's very weather dependent. And there was one morning the team got up, and it was pouring. And the weather had given for it to be lashing all day. And I remember Stan came in and he always had a big smile on his face. And he turned to the team and he says, what you all sitting looking out glum for? He says, would you get down and pray and ask the Lord to look after the weather for you? And I remember thinking to myself, that's ridiculous. The weather forecast all today is to rain. And I remember he sat each member of the team down. He made us pray as a team. I want to tell you something. We did three clubs that day. And we drove out and it poured the whole way there and it stopped raining when we arrived at the first club. And it didn't rain at any of the clubs that day. And when we said the final amen at the last club, and I don't exaggerate when I say this, we could feel the first drops of rain starting to fall. When we came back in, I remember him turning to us. And he says, look at you all, you doubting Thomases. And you know, when I looked at him, he taught me a lesson that day that we can depend on the Lord for anything. It was the Lord's will, of course, that we would be out with those children that day, that we would teach. But he is a man of prayer that I have looked up to for many, many years, constantly in prayer. For me, Stan was a man who had a God-centered perspective and who had a God-centered trust. Nehemiah was a man who had a God-centered perspective and a God-centered trust. I wonder, do you and I, have a God-centered perspective and a God-centered trust. We have a great God whom we come before tonight. The modern hymn writer has put it this way. He says, who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his works? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? And the refrain says, Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. I wonder tonight, will we be found in prayer adoring our great God? Giving him the worship that he is due for all that he has done in our lives. A. Adoration. Number two. C. Confession. Look at verse six with me. Nehemiah goes on. He has adored the Lord. But he realizes that before the Lord he's a sinner. 
And he says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Now look at what he does here. He first of all collectively confesses the sin of his nation Israel. And he includes himself in that. He repents for the sins of his fathers. And in truth that's the easy part. Because he's looking at the faults of others and he's asking forgiveness for that. But then he comes to the difficult part. And he says there at the end of verse 6. He says both I, I have sinned and my fathers have sinned. I'm part of the blame. I'm part of the reason why the walls of Jerusalem have broken down. Because I have sinned. And he confesses his sin before God. And you know you and I. We need to be confessing all the time. You and I need to claim the forgiveness and mercy of the Lord all the time. You know I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus Christ. Does a continuous work in my life. It's continuously cleansing the child of God from their sin. It's a continuous work. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I have to go to war with the inner man, with the spirit as my helper every single day. That's why in the New Testament it speaks so often of our walk with God. Because it's a steady walk. And so often our feet can stray. And the Spirit of God draws us back into the way. But you know, as we sin, it mars our fellowship with the Lord. And when we come to prayer, how we ought to ask for forgiveness for that sin afresh. Let me tell you, once you're saved, you're saved forever. You'll never, ever be plucked out of the hand of the Savior or God. But I'll tell you, from day to day, I know that I let the Lord die. And I mar my fellowship with him. And I need to keep short accounts with him. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant that Jesus this my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be dear Lord. Let it be. You know we each need to be praying for one another. That the Lord would protect us from the attacks of the devil. Let me tell you, the devil, he hates what we do here at Grange. Every time we meet, he wants to snatch the seed of God's word away from us. We ought to pray for one another throughout the week. You know, we're here at the prayer meeting tonight. And so often I'm reminded of this. That, you know, maybe your name isn't found in the list tonight. But maybe someday your name will be found in the list. You'll be relying on God's people to pray for you. Oh, we ought to be in prayer for each individual. Not just praying for each other collectively. But bringing each other's names before the throne in heaven. That the Lord would protect us. That the Lord would keep each of our walks close with him. And you know, of course, as we get to know each other, we'll know the burdens and concerns in each of our individual lives and we can be praying to that end as we think of one another and pray for one another but here's Nehemiah and he's confessing the sin and you know as New Testament saints John makes it very clear 
that we as the children of God ought to be confessing our sins to the one who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And at the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, we read these words, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sin of the whole world. Never in the history of the church has there been a genuine revival until the people of God begin to confess their sin? I wonder, are you and I in need of doing that tonight? Maybe you know of something that you haven't yet confessed. Maybe you haven't confessed it for a very long time. Lord, I confess to you that I find it so easy to gossip. Please forgive me and help me to stop. Lord, I confess that sometimes there are things in your word and I struggle to believe them. Please help my unbelief. Lord, I confess that there's pride in my heart. Lord, please help me to be humble in all that I do. Lord, I can grumble and complain a lot. And doing so, I sometimes lead others to do the same. Help me to be content. You know, when we start to name those sins and call sin for out for what it really is, that's when we'll start to make progress. Oh, that daily confession will become a habit of a lifetime in each of our lives. And it's when we acknowledge and confess those sins, that's when we'll start to see the blessing of God fall in a mighty way. Once again, adoration, two, confession, Three, thanksgiving. In the third section of his prayer, Nehemiah now turns to thanksgiving. And now I hope that you're doing what I'm trying to do with my own heart as I've gone through this in the study, that as you see each of these parts that you go, am I doing this? Am I doing this in my own prayer life? Look at verses 9 and 10. It says there, but if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set thy name. Now these are thy servants. And here's the wonderful part of thanksgiving, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Nehemiah claims God's promises in verse 9 to the Israelites. If they were faithful, God promised this in the early days. If they were faithful and kept God's commandments, God promised that he would gather his people under his name in one place. But if that wasn't to happen, the Lord had said he would scatter his people. And that's what had happened because of the people's sin. God had scattered the people. That's why Nehemiah is found in Persia. But here we are and Nehemiah begins to confess sin. And you know, that's when God will begin to gather his people together again. And he, had, and he has promised that when his people were to gather in Jerusalem, that he would be with them. And you know, let me tell you this. He has promised when you and I gather in this place that he'll be here as well. And we can come this evening and we can praise him for his great redemption. There is Nehemiah and in his thanksgiving, he says, Whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and thy strong hand. It's good to be redeemed tonight, isn't it? It's good to be bought by the blood of Christ, isn't it? It's good to be heaven bound, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. I wonder, do you know what God's will for you and Grange Baptist here this evening is? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what God's will for you is. That we should be a church filled with joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. How do I know that's God's will? Well, in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 to 18, this is what it says. It says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And then it tells us this. It's even better than that. It actually tells us that's the will of God. For the verse goes on, it says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. And finally, this evening, supplication. Supplication. Look at verse 11. Supplication is just a request. It's what Nehemiah needed the Lord to do. Nehemiah comes and he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to, attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. I want you to notice how he has spent more verses in this prayer on adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, and his request is so short at the very end. And he makes his request, his supplication. It's specific, yet it's reverend and it's clear. He tells the Lord exactly what he's looking for. Give your servants success this day in the presence of the king, in the presence of my boss. We noted last week he presented himself before the king of kings, before he went to the earthly king. And here Nehemiah, he goes a man on his knees and he makes a supplication before the Lord. He adored the Lord, he confessed his sin, he was thankful for all the Lord has done. Then he made his request. You know tonight how good it is to know that Nehemiah's prayer was answered. And how gracious the king was to him when he approached the Lord. And how he knew he answered prayer. But I'm so glad Nehemiah didn't just rush into the king's presence. I'm so glad that he teaches us such an important lesson tonight. That any work that starts needs to start on our knees. And any work that's going to be successful as we do it, we need to continue to be on our knees. Cameron Thompson once gave this illustration. And with this I'll close. Trams and some buses. Used to have long poles. Which would have reached up. And they would have touched the electricity line. And they would have brought power to the motors. From the overhead wires. And the pole may have been within an inch of the wire. And if it wasn't touching the wire. No power could pass. They had to be touching. And the people inside the bus, they could sing, they could shout, and they could preach, and they could hold a great mission, and they could do all they wanted. But they would have stayed in the same place. And nothing would have happened. Let me tell you tonight, unless we touch the throne of heaven, with our prayers ourselves and for our church family, 
we're simply going to stay in the same place. No matter how much preaching and singing we do. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we do come before the great and awesome God who is. We just can't even find the words to express our thankfulness for all that you've done for us. Father, we realize that you're so far above all things. And yet, Father, as we come before you tonight, that you're here present in our midst in this little gathering. And Father, we thank you that you're interested in the work here at Greenwich. But Father, we pray as individuals and as, as an assembly of God's people that you would teach us to pray. That Father, indeed, that we would know your blessing in these days as we move forward on our knees. That, Father, indeed, you would just give us that great desire to be found in the place of prayer, publicly and privately. Father, teach us to pray throughout the day. Teach us to remember you at all times. And to help ask for help at all times. For without you, we can do nothing. Father, as we come before you just now for this time of prayer, help us to adore you the way we ought. Help us to confess our sin. Help us to be thankful. And Father, it is true that we have so many supplications to make. And we thank you that we make our supplications to the God who hears and answers prayer. Be with us as we continue to pray here tonight. We pray this in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.